with PSIA AASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado. I'm George Thomas. You're listening to the 60th anniversary series. Today we're going to be talking about the skills concept. But let's think back over these 60 years when PSIA's seven founders sat down to form the Professional Ski Instructors of America in May of 1961 at Big Mountain in Whitefish, Montana. They had one goal, to create a standard of consistency for ski instruction that would help draw new participants to the sport from across the nation. And now, six decades later, PSIA AASI teaches everyone how to enjoy more than just alpine skiing. Welcome every snow sports discipline, ability, and person to the slopes. And each winter, PSIA AASI members embrace the opportunity to create lifelong adventures through education. And today, we're going to cover one of the six most notable teaching benchmarks from the past 60, 60 years, which continued to inform American and international snow sports instructors. As I said earlier, we're gonna be talking about the skills concept with two of the innovators, Mike Porter and Jens Husted. Mike, Jens, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you, George. Now, Mike, let's start with you. I, I'd really like for you to give us the background of where teaching was at this time and and kind of lead us into the skills concept. Why did it have to come about? Well, the time frame was 1974-75. And when you looked across the country, even though PSA had been there for about 12 years, the majority in this, the, the ski schools in this country weren't uh, teaching PSA methodology. What you really had was, I grew up, I was teaching Alpine Meadows. We taught modified Austrian. Next door at Squaw Valley was French. Heavenly Valley was Austrian. If you went down to Mammoth Mountain, they taught Arlberg. Um, you had the Stein Erickson Ski School at Boyne Mountain. If you went to Alta, it was Alp Ingen Ski School. Stratton Mountain was Austrian. Sun Valley was Austrian. And most of the resorts, ski schools, would their top instructors usually were imported. You were French certified, Austrian certified, Swiss certified, um, and a couple of schools were U.S. certified. But the one trait all the techniques had was final forms. No matter what you did, it was a step-by-step. -step. If you went through the certification, there was no freelancing. If you were teaching a level two, you had X to Z or the exercise you had to do, and you had to do them in the right order. Um, this was the background there. And the ski magazine's articles would be the Stratton Mountain Austrian Ski Week versus the Alpine Meadows Ski Week versus the French Ski Week at, you know, some other resort. And they'd check on, you know, who learned the most. Then you throw in that we had uh, Cliff Taylor and the short ski techniques. So basically, the terminology was all over the map. And it was not uncommon if I took a lesson at one ski school and then the next vacation I took it at another ski school, they'd tell me I was skiing wrong, that I didn't have the right position, that I needed more rotation or I was rotating too much. So this was the format there. And then when our team was selected was in the winter of 1974, then we had a, a brief three-day training session, A Basin. And when we looked at ourselves, we were a unique band. Every one of us was really good skiers, but we didn't ski the same. Paul Jones was out of Bozeman. He'd been through the French ski school. 
he had a lot of rotation going. Uh, Jerry Warren was out of Snowbird, and that was Junior Bonus, who was one of the original founders. So they, he was very much an American counter rotation. I had been living in Austria. I went to the Austrian National School there. Uh, Gen Z and Bill Duddy and, and Scooter LaCouter out of the Colorado region. They skied a different turn because they had more grooming, much nicer snow. Uh, we had Bruce Boland, Weems Westfield. These were freestylers because at that time, ballet was starting to come in. Uh, we had Jim Hinman from East Coast. He was a bumper. Um, basically, very diversified. So when we got together, we said, you know, how are we going to do interski? We didn't know what was going to go on there. Um, but one thing we realized was that we were very independent. Um, so before interski, we were going to have a one-week training session at Stowe, Vermont, and we're going to fly over to Czechoslovakia. And we're on the plane, and we realized none of us really had an agenda for interski. The PSA that was supposed to come up with some program didn't have much. And myself and Max Lundberg, I was the team captain at the time. Max Lundberg was one of the educators, team coach. Uh, Horst Abraham was their years Wagner's. We had a discussion previously about skills, and but we really didn't know if they would or would not apply to uh, skiing. So since we didn't really have an agenda for this inner ski, and as a team member, we just sat there and said, you know, skills may make sense. So we spent the whole week training at Stowe to come up with skills, what we think was important. Basically, it was not refined. We had a list of about 25 skills. Pole planning was skills. Hopping was skills. Uh, but we we're trying to look at what were the common elements. Um, so when we went to Interski, it was very unrefined presentation. But we just said we wanted to reflect our personality. So we had groups, um, say that myself and just said Chris Ryman, we were one group because we had a big racing background. So most of our formations were very high-performance turns, looking more like a racer. Then we had Scooter LeCouter and Bill Duddy skiing down at Colorado ones, and they were a little bit more skiddy, slidey turns. Then you got Bruce Boland going down and not afraid to do a 360 and a little ballet moves there. Um, we really made it fun because we let you really express yourself. But it we were kind of a disaster because here are these other teams doing beautiful choreographed skiing with final form demonstrations and we we're just free forming whipping it up having a good time um, so we were worried that we may have been a disaster there but we liked it until the French came and they had an hour presentation and for 40 minutes they went through their methodology and it was step by step by step final form and then all of a sudden they said, that's how we teach, but that's not how we ski. And all of a sudden they went skiing and it was free form, much like we did. So all of a sudden we left that inner ski saying, as a formation skiers, we weren't very good. Because um, we had no final forms. We didn't believe in final forms. But we had the validity where the French said, you know, when skiing needs to be more than that. Uh, so then after inner ski, there was a mini inner ski up in uh, Snoqualmie, Washington. That we got to be involved in. We had the Italians over a couple of other teams. And the team met with the educational committee, and we, we thought we were on to a pretty good track with the skills. So we kept talking about that. And then over the over the summer, the sort of the steering committee, Horst Abraham, 
uh, Juris Wagner's, Max Lundberg, and myself, uh, we started to refine it, and we started talking to other educators. And uh, really, after that meeting and with the team's work, we came up with the uh, with the three skills. I think it was Horst and Juris Wagner maybe came up with the Venn diagram. We're all sort of involved there. Um, and that's really what the, the main foundation was. So it, it came about more by happenstance, and the timing was pretty good because uh, this way we could go around. If someone was, it, it didn't interrupt the ski school. So if some ski school was a little bit more Austrian, we said, well, the difference there is their rotary motion. They like a little bit more counter rotation. It was a French school, they liked a little bit more rotation. In some skis, use more edge set. Then this is edging motion. You know, some pressured, some had hopping, some had stepping. Uh, so the skills really could work between between the different ski schools and the different techniques that were out there. Um, and it was sort of a, a gradual presentation. And then we we really took it. The next inner ski was very refined, but what we added was a critical element was a student centered teaching. Because the skills concept, one of the things we wanted was that it matched our scheme. So we were the customer. You could create that balance. And then we decided that that this way we could custom make a lesson to any customer. If you came in there, we, we, what was your outcome? We could give you the right skill blend. So that created the, the dialogue initially. Maybe Jens has some points to add in here. Well, and Jens, what I wanted to, to start with with you was, I mean, what, what Mike described right off the bat it didn't sound fun. Uh, ski lessons sounded more like uh, work <laughs> and yeah, very structured. Yeah. And it seems like the American team really brought fun in as part of the skills concept or really the major part of the skills concept. How was this, what was the response from the other teams at Interski? But, you know, probably the, the biggest thing was that we were, we were just skiing and, we didn't have, uh, we didn't really have, um, you know, just like Mike was saying, we didn't have this choreographed thing with six people coming down doing hop turns and um, and down stem Christies and you know, I mean, it was it was very free flowing and very fast. Um, nothing we did was very slow, and um, the, the other teams, I think they said, you know, that that looked that looked like a lot more like skiing or that was that, was, that looked like you guys were having fun. And we and we were we were kind of making a point of it. It's like let's just break this, let's just break this out out of this tradition of of doing this basically final form sort of um, program, a choreographed show that um, really wasn't what you would want to be teaching. You know, the students or we didn't think that the students really were having that much fun if they were having to do what it was that these teams were showing, and. Um, you know, this, the inner ski was it was interesting in that, um, you know, a lot of people would would look at it in Europe. They would look at it and they would say, "Okay, the looks like uh, looks like the Swiss guys. Um, you know, they they kind of won the inner ski or whatever, or the Italians or whatever. I think I'll go to Italy and go skiing because I like the way that looks. Or, um, you know, let's go to Switzerland or let's go to um, Austria because I like the way this all looks. And and that was a pretty big part of their, of what they were doing. And we kind of broke that, broke that up because we didn't have that. We didn't really have that competition between. Okay, if this, if our team does well, people are going to come from Europe to here. Um, in the long run, it kind of turned out that way. Um, 
Let's do with just a, you know, when we started talking about the student-centered uh, teaching, then it, then it was mostly about like, okay, how can, we, how can you have this be fun and not such a grind to do these things? I mean, I don't know if you remember when we were going through certification, you'd have these, you know, these final forms that um, you were really teaching. This is what you were doing with your students too. That was the idea. And so that we kind of were trying to get out of that. And frankly, we had, we had a lot of problem with the, with the division, you know, the examiners from the other division or from all our divisions saying, you know, well, how are we going to teach? How are we going to test people if we can't do these final forms? And it took a while. It took a while to figure out how to, how to do that. But, um, it did turn it more fun, George. I mean, you were right. I have to yeah. say, for the 60th anniversary series, Mike, you and Jens were like my heroes as I was coming into the sport. And so to be chatting with you about this is just, I, it's amazing to me. So thank you guys both. I, I really appreciate it. This is a lot of fun for me. So I'll, I'll give you that five bucks later. George. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> George, I think one thing too on the skills for a clarification. Yeah. The way we evolved it was to get down to what skills were used in every level of skiing. That's where we got down to three. That if I do a straight, even in the straight run, I'm playing with pressure control between my feet to try to stay over them. That I'm playing with the little edges to try to keep those skis swimming and going straight. That I mean, the skis want to wander a little bit. There's a little rotary guidance to keep them going. So from a straight run all the way to advanced skiing, those elements always existed in different degrees. So it was the point where you couldn't take one of those elements out and still make a turn. So that, that was the idea that you know people sort of say, well, I'm going to isolate a skill. Well, the point was we isolate all the skills out of it there until we got down to what existed in every movement we do on skiing. So, you know, those skills sound very familiar to what we talk about today. Oh, exactly. Yeah. 100%. Fundamentals are just a a detailed analysis. Look at every fundamental, they highlight a skill for sure. So, Jens, what were you about to say? No, it it is the fundamental of of the fundamental part of, of, uh, I mean, if we're talking about skiing, we're talking about turning. Um, you know, it's still what we're we're talking about today. I mean, not physics is physics, and we kind of we did use we do we did a lot of biomechanical um, yeah. studying with uh, Yuri Wagner's and George Tordokins and yeah. uh, I mean, and they really helped a lot. It's like okay, I mean, it's all about vectors and these things that really ski instructors really don't really think about a whole lot. But it was like okay, what what's the common denominator that you just it all boils down to these three things that allow you to be balanced on your skis. And I mean, it's not any different now than it was then. I mean, it probably wasn't any different than it was back when, you know, Hans Snyder was doing his turns too. I mean, it was looking the same. The physics are physics. Yeah. Uh, and, and also George, to go back to Jens's point about how readily accepted it was really one of the challenges we had was that, most ski schools were saying my ski school is better than your ski school because this is because we teach better. And all of a sudden, if you said we're all teaching the skills concept, 
people thought it would take away the value of your ski school, that I'm just like another ski school. So it was almost perceived as a threat. Or the idea that if, since we used the common language of rotary movements, edging movements, pressuring movements, that that all of a sudden that would negate their uniqueness because everybody was co competing. Ads were going, you know, the Stratton Mountain Ski Week is best. And then someone said, no, Stowe's much better. No, Mad River Glen's better. And our methodology is better or not. And we were trying to, to really unify it, which was one of the original purposes of the founders of PSA was to get a unification and a consistency. So this really gave consistency. It would help in the exam process because we'd be speaking the same common language, not not the Sun Valley Ski School had a different language than the Bogus Basin, which had a different language than the Alp Ingen Ski School. You know, it. So all of a sudden, it was very much perceived as a threat, and we had to come in and said, "No, it's better. Yeah, uh, just makes it's better for the consumer." So we really became a consumer-based thing, rather than trying to market a specific program. We try to say, "How bet? How much better can we serve really the customer?" Uh, and also from a at that time, the whole society in the 70s, we were, America was undergoing change. So kind of the, we're the renegades. Yeah, so we fit right in with that one there. What's, um, what you're saying actually sounds to me like you had more pushback from the divisions way back then than you did from other countries. Oh, the, yeah, the other countries, like Jen said, the demonstrators from the other countries loved us because we skied. And they could really ski, and it wasn't this force type deal. So we were very well received there. Uh, another carry on to that was the Austrians, Professor Hoppaker, who oversaw the whole Austrian program. He invited us, team members, to do academies at Austria. We stayed at the National Ski School, and he had always put his his trainers in with our groups because we could teach the people skills, how we work with the people, how we could match the, the turn mechanics to the situation so he yeah he brought him in we were got involved with the french school there um sweden. the swedes we did a bunch of mini national academies up in sweden uh to showcase this so internationally it was very well accepted faster than in the u.s because it was a a little bit of a threat and, and once again a lot of the ski schools people were afraid that that internationally that they wouldn't be accepted that all of a sudden you could just have all these Americans teaching skiing and it'd be great. Yeah. So, Jens, you know, at what point did you see PSIA really start to bring the different divisions together with this? Because it sounds like the skills concept was a huge part of bringing people together. Oh, it did. No question, it did. Yeah. George, I mean, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. Oh, I was just going to say that, you know, we talk about PSIA you know, starting off in uh, May of 61, but I grew up in California. We we're part of the Far West Division, and Far, Far West Division didn't accept PSIA till like 1968. They stayed separate. Yeah, no reciprocity. <laughs> yeah, if you looked at the East Coast, they had the East Coast Professional Division, but you also had the East Coast Amateur, and their Amateur Skis Association was as bigger, bigger than the professional one. So it was a unique time. It was a growth time throughout the whole country. 
Whereas when you went to Europe, their national ski schools were well-founded, so they could grow. But in the U.S., each division was its own identity. They were their own companies. Uh, there's They were fighting for their own identity. So it, it was an interesting growth deal. And actually, the skills concept and the demo team, because uh, prior to the 74 team, the demos team always disbanded after Interski. And we made a pact at the end of it. We said we were just starting to learn so much. We asked PSA National if the team could stay together. We said, we won't charge you a cent. We'll find ways to fund our activities. But we want to stay together and work as an educational group. So that's when the team became full-time for the first time. Yeah. And that, that's really what helped. I mean, what's, what's kind of taken for granted now is that um, the kind of the education group uh, goes around the country, um, you know, of the demo team guys now and doing doing clinics and whatnot, um, and they're very well respected. I mean, it took a, it took three or four years before uh, we could really get some, you know, enough respect to say, you know, if we all got if we get out there across the country and we could teach everybody different, you know, differently than than what they've been doing before, it would bring everybody together. And, and that, it took a while. I mean, we had to, we kind of had to work at it ourselves. I mean, yeah, yeah. they didn't have, they didn't really have any kind of a program to say, well, let's like it is now, you know, let's have, we, I mean, the academies. Um, there, there weren't regular national academies. Yeah. yeah. Nothing. We'd go to the spring convention for Western. We'd go to the spring convention for Northern Rocky Mountain. But the academy was held maybe every two, three years. So what's it like for the two of you to see how the team has really become one team with cross country, with uh, snowboarding, with alpine skiing, really doing things together? And I, I talked about this a lot during the team training interviews that I did, but it just blew me away. And it was so fun to see the different disciplines coming together and working together out on the hill and learning from each other. It, it was so much fun. Yeah, well, I no, I, I think that's great. I think, uh, you know, that was one of the things we were striving for. I think, you know, one of our, our pinnacle inner skis was my mind was 1992 at St. Anton. When on the team, we had uh, Diane Golden, who was the disabled skier in there. We had snowboarders in every demo. We had telemarkers in every demo. Uh, and we really tried to get that whole diversity in there and just to see how much it's evolved from then. I think it's, it's phenomenal. Um, I mean, in the whole educational system. And when we started, like Jens was saying, each division was standalone. There was no reciprocity much between divisions. Um, and, and really, the team became one of the first real agents where you could carry a message back and forth. You know, prior to that, after Interski, when the people left the team, they left the team. There was no, maybe they did something in their division, but uh, you just did it for one performance. Now we're really an educational body. And this this combined with Horst, uh, Max Lundberg, Juris Wagner's, I mean, there's a great foundation there for some uh, great content. So we're excited to be part of it and excited to see where it's evolved to. Jens, anything to add? Um. It seems like it's been a long time ago, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And uh, I mean, there's been some dry spells, 
you know, along the way when, when things just weren't always going up, it seems like, but it seems like it's really turned into, um, whoever is like driving the program now is constantly trying to get, get it better and, and pushing the envelope and, you know, having all those other uh, disciplines in there as well. Um, really helps in that because people have different different views of, of things as they're you know, different doing different things you know and snowboarders have a different view of it than the than the, you know, the telemarkers and etc uh, etc et and so um it's you know there were some times in there though that was a little tough you know it's a little tough money was gone and there wasn't any money that would you know nobody would you know get the team out there and um and it just ebbed and flowed a little bit, but I think it's really, really gone a, a long way, obviously, since we were doing it. And I mean, I'm kind of proud of the fact that, that a lot, some of the stuff is still the same, and it should be. I mean, as long as you've got a pair of skis on your feet, it's going to somewhat be the same as far as the alpine skiing part goes. But, um, no, I think it's been – I see it I see it going pretty darn strong right now, stronger than it has been for a long time, I think. Yeah. Mike, anything yeah. to say to the membership in conclusion? Oh, yeah. No, I, I I was just laughing at Jens's point that when we went to Interski in 74, we had to pay. We got there. We got a, a note in uh, November saying that PSA had no money. If we wanted to go to Interski, we had to fund ourselves. Um, you know, so, so we paid to go to Interski, and we paid – I mean, and we put this program together, so we had a lot of pride in the skills. And and since we paid to go there, we wanted to share it. So that was one of the reasons why we we talked to PSA National if we could keep the team together. And we didn't care about funding because we'd already were self-funded um, <laughs> to begin with. And then when we went to the 79 interski, we were still self-funded. Um PSA really didn't have the money, and and in the process, they couldn't put out a ton of educational material. Us going out on the road doing clinics was the main bout of education in there. So I, I take a lot of pride in that. I mean, when we did the 79 University, it actually was sponsored by a Swedish guy. And the, and the trade-off for going there, we went and, and worked for free, but we went to Sweden, and we delivered national academies in Sweden for about four years to pay off our debt. Uh, <laughs> which gave us more practice and more rehearsal and just to see how it's evolved. And you look at the amount of educational materials PSA is putting out and, and the, the platforms they have it on. Like we have a podcast. Now you've got e-learning, you got manuals. I mean, it's just the evolution is just phenomenal. So I take pride in this, the sense that we are part of that foundation and the kickstarted and get that educational ball rolling, but I'm totally excited where it went. Jens, anything in conclusion? Um, I don't. Mike got tied it right up. I mean, it's uh, it's been uh, it's been a fun ride. Um, it, you know, it's uh, it's it's really always we. I think the res the thing that I like about what we did is that we we gave ski teaching a lot of respect, and um, you know, it wasn't just haphazard. A bunch a bunch of ski bums. And uh, it, there's a lot of respect for ski teachers in this world right now and in, in uh, this country. And, um, you know, it's a it's a it's a definitely a great profession. And 
you know, I think that, you know, people that are doing it, they're doing it because they love it. And, um, and most everybody seems to want to be getting better at it. So it's not like you're just doing the same old thing all the time. And, uh, you know, that's a, that moves things ahead as well. So I don't know. I think it's, I think it's all going in a really, really good way. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of that we were part of that whole kind of really the beginning of, of uh, you know, the, the golden era of skiing and ski, um, ski areas as well. Um, it's been it's been it's been good, and I it will continue to be good. Well, Jens Husted, Mike Porter, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us on First Chair. Thank you, George. From the PSIA AASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas.